It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with my business partners and fellow financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Remember when you walked into the classroom and the teacher said, close your books and get out a piece of paper <laughs> and they're giving you a quiz? Well, get ready, Michiana because we are going to give you a quiz today. Now, this is a quiz that has been given, and there are some results. The results weren't stellar, although we are confident that our listeners, you, our listeners, are well above average and would do excellent uh, if you were sitting in the studio with us this morning taking this quiz. That's right. All right. Folks, this is your show. As always, every single week we want to hear from you. We want to talk about what you're thinking about Give us a call, 574-222-2000 to leave a question, or you can do so at wisemoneyradio.com. Lastly, you can check out a whole bunch of content and leave questions on Facebook and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. All right. As Kevin had already mentioned, most schools in Michiana were going on summer break, but not here at Wise Money. This is your first quiz, folks, and I think you're going to do really well. Although the friendly folks over at Nerd Wallet, I have no idea if they're friendly or not, but uh, they submitted a tax quiz on their website. About 2,300 adults took a basic income tax quiz, and Casey was searching for it actually when we were recording one of our shows a few weeks ago about tax highlights, and he, he looked it up and showed the results, and he said, are you, are you kidding me? You guys need to talk about this. So we're talking about it, folks. Uh, ultimately... The folks that took this test didn't perform as well as they thought. They didn't have as much tax knowledge as they actually thought. And if I can say it, the average person failed. Failed! (laughs) I can't really believe it, but I sort of can. Well, not not you folks. Hey, you know who didn't fail the quiz was my wife, actually. Ah, I just gave her the quiz last night. I I was kind of using her as a benchmark to see how well we've been teaching tax-related content on this show. And you guys all know that... She, she's literally listened to every single episode of Wise Money. She's a Wise Money junkie and a Focus on the Family junkie. Ah. She listens to it all. That's right? good company. So, yeah, uh, she, uh, she would be the standard, I think. If, if we can get her to pass, then uh, maybe we're doing something right. But the, the reality is that even if you didn't pass this quiz or you don't pass this quiz, that's not really the right standard to hold yourself to anyway. And in my opinion, even if you knew half the tax code, um, that would be pretty remarkable, right? But I'm concerned, do you know the part of the tax code that applies to your financial life, mm-hmm. your situation, your, your unique situation? You don't need to know, you know the part of the tax code that says uh, what happens when you buy or sell a business if you're never going to own a business, right? But if you're going to send your kid to college... You might want to know, right? What kind of tax ramifications are there? What parts of the tax code would apply there? So that's the standard ultimately, but we're going to definitely have some fun giving you a quiz today. Well, I would argue with that even. That, that, I would argue that even, that shouldn't even be your standard because knowing the tax code or even using the greatest tax technology out there really approaches it from a did you standpoint. Did you do this? Do, did you have a child in college? Well, then here's the result. 
tax planning is all is all about should you. So proactive. Be, being proactive. Folks, mm-hmm. you know that's what we're all about here. That's how you should really measure your, your success with taxes. Who is helping you with your tax planning? Who is it? If you think it's the person who's preparing your taxes, most likely you're wrong. Tax preparation is all retroactive. It's all reactive. You're looking at what already happened. Let's make sure I get the right number in the right box. Tax planning is about, well, based on your situation, as Josh mentioned, oh, you've got a child in college. What should you do to make sure you get as much college benefit as possible? And so to me, knowing the code or knowing even passing this test isn't that big a deal. Knowing what you should be doing to benefit your taxes both today and over your lifetime, that's the big win. So anything to add, Mr. Corhorn? You're, you're nodding. No, I, I'm right there with you, brother. Right. I, I, I would tell you that when we started our tax and accounting firm in 2002, as an addition to our financial planning firm, my assessment of my readiness level as it related to tax planning and even tax preparation, I had assessed myself uh, considerably higher than what I learned reality was once we'd hired a CPA and we started doing the work. So even I have learned that there are multiple times, especially with tax issues, that I don't know what I don't know, and I spend all day every day working on this stuff. Yeah, so having the right professional on your team to well, help you a, figure a that out. a professional who can ask the right questions, right? Yeah. Because there's not a financial advisor under the sun who knows the entire tax code inside and out. But if you can ask the right questions and get the right tax advisors involved, now you have a team collaborating together to help you make wise decisions. And, and, you know, that's obviously our approach. But um, I, I would encourage you to seek that out in your financial life as well. All right. So here we go. How would you do if you took a 10 question quiz assessing your basic income tax knowledge? Well, we are going to find out if you're willing to play along, and I hope you do. So here's the deal. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you these 10 questions. We're going to talk through it together. I'm going to ask you each question. We're going to pause. So if you're not driving, write down your answer, and then we'll give you the answer and talk a little bit about it, okay? So we're going to get through all 10. All right, let's go. Here's question number one. Is the money you put in a Roth IRA pre-tax or post-tax? Is the money going into your Roth IRA pre-tax or post-tax? We need some music playing or something to (laughs) count down. Like a Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the big answer, you guys know. You know. It's post-tax money going into the the Roth IRA. We often use the phrase after-tax money or already been taxed money, right? Post-tax, pre-tax. Some people's heads start spinning when you start throwing around jargon like that, and they have to stop and think, wait, which one are we talking about here? But the big question is the why. Again, the, the should you. And, and the why, why you would use a Roth IRA is if you're in a low tax bracket today, or maybe you're young, something like that, and you're okay paying taxes today, but then the money in the Roth IRA grows. You invest it, okay? It grows over the long term, and that growth is tax-free if you meet certain conditions. And one of those is, well, you'd wait until you're 59 and a half to pull that money out. Yeah, we affectionately refer to the Roth IRA as a 24 karat gold Cadillac, because I'm taking after-tax money, or think of money that's in my checking or savings account, funding the Roth IRA, and it grows tax-free forever. And my eligibility to contribute is as long as I have earned income. That's right. So there, there's, a, there are amazing opportunities, planning opportunities, tax planning opportunities 
with the Roth IRA. So when are you going to switch to the 24 karat gold Tesla? <laughs> um, <laughs> as soon as Tesla stops taking government money. Oh, okay. nice. Well, we Shazam. just changed the dynamic of the show. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> All right. I think everyone got 100 on that. If you're a regular listener to the Wise Money Show, you've, you definitely got that one right. All right. Question number two. Can married couples file their taxes separately? Can they? So the question... Stated another way is, can married couples file taxes separately? Did I did I miss that? Nope. It's perfect. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that when I Everyone is very confused right now. <laughs> okay. And, the, and, and the actually, she said, yes, you can, but I would advise against it. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, she's and hired. I know. I was like, man, settle down there. You're starting to sound <laughs> like a financial advisor. <laughs> so, so, yes, you can. There are very few circumstances why you would. I can think of one individual who is doing it for, sh- for sure. They optimize. If you're using good tax software, you can look and say, well, this is what it would look like if you file joint. This is what it would look like filing separately. So what's best? Uh, gosh, 99 times out of 100, it's better to file jointly. But I've got one person who's repaying student loans based on their income, and so they file separately because the person with the student loan, their income is very low, and that can get their student loan payment low. It's going to mean a lot more interest, but that's what they're doing. So before I give my answer, I want to know why Andrea said no. I think she just wanted to sound like she knew what she was talking about. She had a 50-50 shot, right? (laughs) There may have been some good guessing going on there. I don't know. No, but you you know, the times when I see people uh, filing joint or filing separately they're they're married still maybe they're on their way towards a divorce they're legally separated and so they file separately or maybe it's a second marriage and they're trying to keep their finances separate but often you know we'll show them if you can filing jointly is just better for you had, had a client come in recently that he couldn't contribute to a Roth IRA because the rules are different when you're filing Separately. That's so right. we convinced them to file jointly in a second marriage situation, and it freed up some tax planning opportunities for them. Yeah. All right. Coming up in just a little bit, we got a great question from Jeff. He called in last week with a question about shifting dollars from pre-tax over into that Roth. That and a lot more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard, along with Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the Wise Money program. We've been taking a quiz on taxes. School's out, not here at Wise Money. Taking a quiz about how well you know your taxes. We're two questions in. We have eight more to go. Uh, if you have a question, reach out to us, 574-222-2000, or catch us online, wisemoneyradio.com. All the previous episodes are right there, so if you've missed these two questions and want to take the quiz, you could catch up there. All right, so first question was about Roth IRA, pre-tax or post. Second, can you file your taxes separately if you're married? The answer is yes, but you probably don't want to. So here, question number three. When can you adjust your tax withholdings and exemptions on your W-4 with your employer? This one's multiple choice. So when can you adjust your withholdings or exemptions on your W-4 with your employer? A, any time of the year. B, 
anytime before January 1 each year. C, after you receive your W-2 from the previous year. Or D, by the end of year tax deadline. I I have to confess this. When I was giving Andrea this quiz, this was the first one she got wrong, actually. Ah. I, I asked her, do you remember what a W-4 is? I think that could have been the question. Yeah, I What's know. What's a W-4? She, she said, oh, yeah, I know what that is. That's what you spray in your door hinges so they don't squeak, right? <laughs> I was like, you are wrong. <laughs> Fail. That is very we are funny. not laughing yes. at you, Andrea. We know you're listening. We're laughing <laughs> yeah. with you. She, That's she okay. was being cute, Most people don't know what a W-4 is. So, so the answer is A, you can change that any time of the year. The question is, how in the world do you change it? I absolutely hate those exemption questions. When you're filling out a W-4, if your solution to getting the right tax withholdings is to answer those questions, um, I think it's A through H, and trying to answer those, that will come up with the right number, that will instruct you how much to be withheld, you are sorely mistaken. That is not how you figure out how much to withhold. The right way to withhold is doing tax planning and figuring out what's your target, what are you shooting for, what other income do you have. All right, now let's... Uh, do a little trial and error and get to the right amount to withhold. I hate those questions. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them myself. I just met with a client this past week, and he had a change in his marital status. And so he needed to adjust his W-4. And so when you say, hey, if I need help with adjusting my W-4, how can I do, who, who can help me? Well, certainly the person who's helping you with your tax planning can help you with that. But in his situation, working for a larger company, he did it online. His HR function is online, so you can do it online. Some folks, the HR person is just down the hall. You can get that form, or you can get that form and submit it to your HR folks wherever they are. The other thing that I would encourage you to think about is if your withholdings amounts are not correct, whether you're withholding too little or too much, remember that you can also do withholding uh of your social security. So you can do federal withholding on social security. That's on form W4V uh, coming off of D-Day. I would call that whiskey for Victor. And um, if you have a pension, you could use form whiskey for Papa um, to adjust your withholdings on your pension. And the most important thing though, is looking at your total situation to figure out how much you should withhold not just on that source of income. So anyway, all right, question number four. You're going to get this one right. I know it. I know it. Here's it. Here it is. A 529 plan is A, a way to make tax-deductible contributions for college savings. Sounds good. B, a college investment plan that earns tax-free income as it grows. Or C, a plan that allows qualified users to defer their tax payments. What is a 529? The hey, right answer. You know, I know the right answer is B, but technically, if you're looking at some states, A could be right as well. A right? could be right, yeah. Because you can contribute, for example, in Michigan, uh, contribute to the Michigan plan and get a deduction for your, your contribution, so you get a tax write-off. But since we're talking federal tax returns here, the right answer is B. This is all about saving money ahead for college, and you're doing it with after-tax money, similar to that Roth IRA we talked about earlier. And as long as you let the money accumulate and you use it for college, then you're going to grow those dollars tax-free. It comes out without being taxed, even on the growth. 
Yep, that's right. And 529 plans, we talk about it a lot. We love that tool if you're saving up for college, if that's a big goal. If you're in Michigan, you if you use the state plan in Michigan, you can get a deduction on your taxes. We love the Indiana plan. If you're an Indiana, if you're a Hoosier, if you're an Indiana resident, you get a tax credit on your state tax return on the first 5000 you contribute for the family. So that's a big deal. We're going to keep talking about the 529. Okay, so here's the extra credit question. Mike, would you rather have a $1,000 deduction or would you rather have a $1,000 credit? Well, that would be a credit, Alex, because a credit (laughs) is... Or is it Alec? No, it's Alex. Uh, A credit is dollar for dollar, uh, a dollar for dollar benefit. It's a dollar for dollar tax savings where a deduction, you only get a percentage you get a percentage of that as an actual tax savings. So, all right. Hey, and no more X credit. Come on. We're, <laughs> we're sticking to schedule. Question number five. All right. What is a flexible spending account? What is a flexible spending account? A, a tax-exempt savings account exclusively for health benefits. B, a tax-exempt savings account that allows you to make home improvements. <laughs> That'd be nice. Or C, a tax-exempt account for medical purposes or child care. I would love it if it was a house one. There's a lot of people, a lot of my clients are doing house projects right now, but the right answer, the correct answer is C. And I think it points to something most people aren't aware of, that your flexible spending account, also called a cafeteria plan, section 125 plan, blah, 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 uh, can help you with child care expenses. So I often, in the wave of... Um, high deductible health plans and HSAs. HSAs are kind of crowding out FSAs, and for good reason. In my my opinion, HSAs, that's your money. It's not use it or lose it. It's in your bank account. It pays interest and all of that. But the HSA doesn't give you the child care benefit. Yeah, that that is the unique feature about the flexible spending account. And like you said, the, the scary phrase that's attached to these is the use it or lose it phrase. And now you can have some dollars spill over to the next year, so you don't, uh, you know, jeopardize uh, or forfeit money as easily. But uh, the the health savings account is a is a pretty sweet deal to pile up money for future medical expenses. Now, a lot of times people ask, well, that gosh, that really sounds good. Can I contribute to an HSA only if you have a high deductible health plan? Um, and then to this question, well, can I contribute to an FSA? Well, you've got to work for an employer that has a plan like that available to you. So. Right, and and just to the reason why you need to tune in every week is with the new Affordable Care, American Care, Health Care. <laughs> Affordable Care Act. Affordable Care Act. <laughs> That's not so, affordable. So what, it, what they're proposing is that they're allowing the HSA to be used for any type of health plan, and they're actually proposing to double the limit up to 13000 So it be a savings vehicle for medical expenses. And so I would say stay tuned, folks, because there's more to come. All right. Question number six was a tough one for me. This isn't even fair. Here it is. If you foster a pet from a nonprofit charitable organization, can you claim a tax deduction? A, yes, but you can only write off certain items like food, shelter, and medical expenses. B, yes, you can write it all off. Or C, no, you can't write any of this off. All right. I would have gotten this wrong, completely wrong, actually. The right answer is A, and I think that is ridiculous, right. in my opinion. It just doesn't make sense the right is answer, part of the reason. So it, I think it's 
not that you've adopted, but that you fostered so that you're fostering and you're going to give this back to the organization. I think that's probably where it lines up. There are some obscure things in the tax code that you get to write off. And I think it, I think most people preparing their taxes or going in to get their taxes done, they want to make sure they get all these obscure things and, and, and get those deductions. The biggest one, if you volunteer, you can deduct volunteer miles. You know, if you've got a major medical issue, you can deduct some of the miles heading to the hospital if you're going to Cleveland Clinic or Mayo or something like that. This is a really obscure, obscure one. But, but that's hey. essentially what you're doing, right? I mean, you're kind of volunteering to take care of these animals for a charity. That's right. Yep. And that makes the case that you need to be talking to your tax planner. If your life revolves around taking care of someone who's sick or a lot of volunteer work, you should be talking to your tax planner and see if there are any goodies out there for you. Okay. So we're six questions in. How are you scoring? I'm assuming you're six for six. You're doing great. We've got questions seven through 10 coming up, plus that great tax question from Jeff and that and much more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today, spending part of your weekend with us. Hope it's going well so far. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike. I'm joined by Josh and Kevin. Big thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. We are talking about a tax quiz. We're six questions in. How you doing? We've got a few more to go. I know I know you're acing it. I know you're doing well. So if you have a question, reach out to us, 574-222-2000, or check us out, wisemoneyradio.com. Lastly, Facebook and Twitter, at Wise Money Radio. Connect with us that way as well. All right, we're on to question seven in our income tax quiz. Again, most Americans failed this quiz when the friendly folks over at NerdWallet put this on their website. But you're getting an A. I know you are. Question number seven is not fair. I'm just going to put that disclaimer out there. If you lend money to a friend and she doesn't pay you back, can you write it off? A, yes, you can write off the entire loan. B, under certain circumstances, it can be deducted as a capital loss. Or C, no, you can't write it off. Hey, before you give the answer, can I borrow a few bucks for lunch here? Yeah, actually, survey said the answer is don't lend don't lend money to a friend. That is, that is the answer. Ever under any circumstances. That's right. So, okay, I, I would have struggled with this one, too, because it just defies logic. That's why I say it's not fair. The, the right answer is B. Under certain circumstances, you can write this thing off, uh, but essentially, you've got to, everything's got to go right, and you even have to send... I mean, you have to show, prove to the IRS that, yes, this was an official loan. I have the loan documents. And then you even have to send that person the right tax form for, for them, for you discharging the loan so they can include it on their tax return. If you're loaning money to a friend, you are not doing that. Right. And if you say everything's got to go right, everything's already gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loan money to a yeah. friend. Yeah, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Question number eight. Which of the following is tax deductible? Which of these is tax deductible? A, gambling losses. B, reconstructive surgery. C, babysitting. If you're a parent doing charitable work. 
D, all of the above, or E, none of the above? Which of those? Which one is tax deductible, or are all of them, or none of them? Survey says all the, of them. All of the above, right? All of the above. That's right. That's right. I, I think the one that confuses people in the wrong direction, actually, is gambling losses. Right. Because if you've gone to the horseshoe and had a lot of fun, but didn't win any money, no, you can't, you can't deduct that. You can only deduct gambling losses to the extent of your gambling winnings, and it's not even deducted in the same place as the winnings are right. included. That's the part that really burns people. Right. You're going to count every single dollar of your winnings, but you might get to write off some of your losses up to that same winning amount, but you're writing it off in an area of the tax return that might not actually give you any lift at all. So here's the deal, folks. The house always wins. Yeah. In, in this case, the house is the IRS. <laughs> yes, and you only can, um, you claim th that you only deduct it against your federal. You don't deduct it against your state. Against Great your state. point. That's yeah. right. That's so, right. Uh, yes, the house always wins. And reconstructive surgery, that could be medical expenses. That's also an itemized deduction. That's where that would go. So if you don't itemize, you, don't, uh, you wouldn't take advantage of that one. And then the babysitting, if you're doing charitable work, I'll just tell you right now, I didn't know that one. So I don't know how you'd prove it, but interesting. All of those are deductible. I'm sure you got that right. I know you did. All right, question number nine. Which of these is the worst mistake? The worst tax mistake. Which of these is the worst tax mistake? A, if you owe not filing your taxes, if you owe money and you don't file your taxes by the deadline, that sounds pretty bad. B, you file your taxes but not pay your taxes by the deadline. C, you are owed a refund, but you file late. Or D, you are owed a refund, but you don't file at all. Hmm. None of those sound really good. The worst mistake is you are owed a refund, but you don't file your taxes at all. Because out of the good graces of their heart, if you don't file a tax return, they're not going to send you your refund. Right. That money's just gone. Right. And, and we've seen it. I mean, there's, there are a lot of people that are overcome with some tax anxiety. And so they avoid filing taxes for many years. That might, that might be you. You might know someone with a similar situation. It's real. I'm not, I'm not judging. I know there's a lot of anxiety when it comes to taxes. But if you're owed a refund, get, get it in there. Get, file your return and get that money coming back to you. You've got three years to get it, to get them to send it to you. Otherwise... It's gone. That's the part that everybody needs to know, that you only have a three-year window to get your taxes filed and get that refund. And every single April 15th, another year falls off. And, uh, you, you know, we're, we're three years out from uh, maybe a past tax return that you've just been procrastinating on. And maybe it's been so long that it's getting overwhelming and you think, oh, man, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. that, that's where you get a professional involved and help them start sorting through what might be or might feel like a pretty complicated situation. Yeah, and I would encourage you, if you are in that situation where you haven't filed for the last year or the last number of years, come in and see us. There are lots of great tax preparers in town that are going to be a safe place for you to come to who will encourage you, and they're not going to shame you. They're not going to make you feel bad, and they'll help you get it done. But you will feel much, 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 much better if you just take that next right step. And if you haven't gotten your taxes done for last year or prior years, get your stuff together and come see us. 
come see somebody. That's right. We can help. We can help. Uh, actually, in- interesting little factoid here. Only 36% of responders got that question right. Interesting. So two-thirds got that question wrong. Interesting. All right. Our 10-question quiz finishes with this question here. If your exemptions and withholdings are correct, your tax refund should be A, $2,500 or more, B, $1,500 to $2,500, C, $500 to $1,500, or D, as close to zero as possible. So your ideal tax withholding should yield a big refund, a medium refund, or break even. So what did Andrea say to this one, Josh? Ooh, She actually said, well, that's kind of your opinion, isn't it? And I said, well, maybe. And I said, so what's your opinion? And she said, D, as close to zero as possible. So uh, she has the right opinion, that is in the, my opinion. That's the right answer. Now, there's so we study behavioral finance. So what you're thinking, your behavior, how that influences your financial decisions. And it used to be back when, gosh, it's been so long, you might not believe me, but banks used to pay interest <laughs> on your money. And there was this idea that it, you were giving an interest-free loan to the government if you were having a big withholding and getting a big refund. Well, now you're not really getting much interest if you kept that money in your pocket. And a lot of um, research has shown people make a better financial decision when getting a big we, uh, windfall than they would if they had an extra 50 bucks a paycheck. So I do think it's personal preference. I would agree with them that the answer should be D. You should aim to get close to zero, but I, but talk to a professional about your overall financial situation, what makes sense in your overall financial plan. I've had a lot of people who have been getting big tax refunds and they kind of liked it. And I we looked at their situation and said, you know what, if you increased your 401k contributions by X amount, you'd get a smaller refund, but you'd be paying less tax and it might even squeeze your income down where you'd even get more tax benefits. And that's that that right there, if you understood what I said, that is what tax planning is all about. So. Absolutely. All right. So I hope you did well on that quiz. I'm sure you did. But let's just pack it all together. I mean, Josh, what what's the takeaway as, as you're looking at how you responded? What's the big takeaway from this quiz? Well, I'll go back to what we were kind of alluding to at the very beginning of the show, that it's not just about how do you uh, stack up or how do you answer these uh, quiz-type questions on tax code, how well do you know the tax code. It's more about how proactive are you in your planning. You know, do you know uh, why your tax situation is what it is and why it's going to be changing in the future? Specifically, I'd ask you, do you know what kind of tax strategies are within reach if you'll just take a proactive approach to your financial planning, to your tax situation? And if, if you don't know the answer to these types of questions, then now might be the time to be taking a proactive approach and sitting down with a professional, a CPA or a certified financial planner, someone who can help you understand uh, what you can do to influence your tax picture for the better. That's right. That's right. All right, folks, coming up, we have a great question from listener Jeff. He called in last week with a great question. Fits right in with the tax discussion we're already having. That and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern & Keene. 
First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory, alongside Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything, check us out, wisemoneyradio.com. All the previous episodes are right there. And uh, same with the the podcast is all on Google Play and iTunes. That's how I listen and uh, follow up on the show as well. Uh, if you have a question, you can check us out that way. You can submit a question online or you can give us a call, 574-222-2000. Some people also like to submit questions on Facebook and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. You can do so uh, as well. So, All right. We've just had a great discussion about... Um, assessing your own basic tax knowledge. And some of those questions weren't too basic, but hopefully you scored well. And um, I I assume we'll be doing more quizzes like that in the future. So very interesting. Jeff, listener Jeff, he's 53 from South Bend. He called in last week and had a great tax question that we're going to address right now. Yes, Jeff, 53, South Bend, Indiana. My question is, I have over a million dollars in my 401k. Is there a fee or penalty or anything that I have to pay if I roll that over to a Roth IRA? And if I do that, when should I do that? By what age? Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Great, great question. What do you guys think? Well, and well done, too. Yeah. Uh, A million dollars. He's 53 Still has, an, I don't know, I assume a number of years to keep on accumulating before he retires. So uh, depending on what he's planning on spending in retirement, he could be well on his way to being ready. Uh, my guess is if we had Jeff live on the phone right now and we asked him, hey, when did you start saving? I bet he started really early. Yeah. So, so if you're listening to Jeff saying that's not, gosh, that's not fair. That can't be me. That's not me. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. You can get started right now. You can get started right now. So, yeah, I applaud you, Jeff. And I applaud you with the question as well. I mean, that that's a good question. Most people don't even know that you can shift dollars. And I, I, I think this is a part of your question. Don't even know that you can shift dollars from pre-tax to the Roth. So that's your right. your question is, can you do it at, with your 401k? Well, and, and part of the, the, there's a preliminary question that has to be answered. And I would send Jeff off to get this answered. Does your 401k allow you to do in-service withdrawals if you're trying to get money out of a retirement plan and into an IRA or a Roth IRA specifically, usually you have to either reach a certain age that they've deemed to be full retirement age if you're still working there, or you have to be done working there, either fully retired, literally, or you've left the employer for some reason. There has to be a separation of service most of the time. But there are plans out there that will let you pull money out while you're still working for the employer. So that'd be the first thing to check on. And sometimes that can make a lot of sense to, to pull money out of a 401k. And even if you just moved it to a traditional IRA, sometimes you have better investment options to choose from. Maybe you can get access to some investment tools that would be a nice complement to what you have in the 401k. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting idea for, for really more than just Jeff to be looking into. Yeah. So what Josh is talking about is taking money from your 401k, doing an in-service distribution to a traditional IRA, not changing any tax status there, but then moving it from the traditional IRA to the Roth IRA, that would be a conversion. Mm -hmm. So there are two ways to get money in the Roth IRA. One is to contribute, which you can do annually. Jeff, you can do 
$6,500 annually uh, based on your income, or you can convert, and what Josh is talking about, pulling out of the 401k to an IRA, converting. But you can also convert within your 401k. Now, there are a number of asterisks behind this, and remember the greatest risk in all of finance is the asterisk. So... Um, the first thing that you need, (laughs) the first thing that you need to do is check your plan document. Can I convert? And if you don't know how to find your plan document or uh, you need some help, then talk to someone in HR, talk to some other folks uh, at the company there. They can probably help you. Then you're going to want to calculate the tax that would be due. Well, right, because this this may or may not be embedded in your question, Jeff. You might already know this. I think some listeners probably don't. Because I actually was asked this very question by a friend this past weekend. And I said, hey, have you thought about shifting money from pre-tax to the Roth? And he said, you can't do that. And I said, yes, you can. And he said, well, would I have to pay tax or would I have to pay a penalty or a fee on that money? I said, no. And he said, well, wouldn't I have to pay tax on that money? And yes, you would. So, So, Jeff... If you're doing either of those options that Josh talked about or Kevin talked about, taking an in-service withdrawal to an IRA and then converting it to a Roth, that's a taxable event. Right. It's not penalized, but it's taxable. And same thing if your 401k plan does offer a Roth 401k and it allows for conversions, that would be a taxable event as well. I'm not bringing up that. I look at tax as kind of a speed limit. It's a penalty. So, you know, you you need to be very wise about that. I'm not suggesting that's a reason to not do it, but you need to be aware of your tax situation and the tax consequences before you would take that. We also need to be explicit here that you don't have to do everything. You don't have to do the full million dollars. I don't know if that was implied in Jeff's question, or maybe it could be a misconception that some people have. I mean, can you imagine if you took all the million dollars and converted it to Roth all in one shot, all of it would be taxable yep. and gets, it gets piled on top of the normal income that you would typically pay tax on, your wages and things like that. So you would be deep into the highest tax bracket if you did that all in one shot. Yeah, so the game that you're going to play, Jeff, from now until the end of your life, till you leave this world, is that million dollars and the growth of it is to pay as little tax as you possibly can on it. So think of the game. I've got a million dollars on this side of the fence. I want to get it to the other side of the fence and with as as close to a million dollars on the other side as I possibly can, and that's going to be tough to do. And so the, the kind of the axiom that I would give you, Jeff, and this is what I've been trying to impress upon uh, John and Zach, who are interns this summer, is that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Mm. Yeah, in, in the context of your overall financial plan, and specifically your tax plan within it, maybe your cash flow plan, something like that, that uh, that would drive that answer. So a couple other points to hit, and we're kind of talking about both sides of your question right now, Jeff. Can you... And then is there a deadline or an age at which you need to do it? So there is no deadline and there is no age at which you can't do it before or you can't do it after such date. But here's something that gets a lot of people tripped up is they look and say, yes, I'm able to do this and I want to convert $100,000 because my income's low this year for whatever reason. Okay, well, the tax on that's going to be about 30 grand. Well, I don't have 30 grand. So I'm going to withhold 30 grand from my 100,000 
and I'm going to pay that tax through withholdings. I'm good. <laughs> That's where your penalty comes into play. You've just had a bad day if you, right. do, if you do that because, Jeff, you're 53. If you're not age 59 and a half, that withholding that goes to the IRS to pay your taxes is actually deemed a withdrawal from this account. And you're not yet at that retirement age of 59 and a half, so you actually have to pay tax on that money and a penalty unless you have some other money sitting around and you can put it back in. Right, and that's why the governor for many people on how much they should or can contribute is how much of a tax hit can you take with the cash that you have lying around? Because if you're going to have the IRA pay the tax and you're under age 59 and a half, you're in 10% penalty mode. Yep. Yeah, so the the idea is when you do, if you did it within the 401k, Jeff, for instance, and you did $10,000, you've got... Um, until your tax filing deadline to pay those taxes. So if you're going to do a strategy like this, I might suggest doing it in January. Because mm. if I did it in January, I've got until April 15th of the following year to get the taxes paid on that event. And I would plan to pay the taxes with money that's outside of the 401k. Yeah. And that is why you want your tax planner to be talking to your investment planner who should be talking to your retirement planner. That's right. I was just going to mention the retirement planner because all of this is is baked into, okay, well, how is this all going to work at retirement? I, I we're, we're running out of time here. I want to caution um, just, just one other thing. If you take Kevin's advice there and you do the conversion at the beginning of the year, or it's June right now, and you do it now, and you pay tax on that money that you converted, and then the stock market's down 20%. And so all of a sudden you pay taxes on $100,000 of income, but now it's only worth 80 grand within your account. That's when something called a recharacterization would come into play and you can undo the whole thing. So again, work with your tax planner, your financial planner to get that done. Great question, Jeff. Thanks for calling in. I hope that explanation was helpful. Um, but that is all the time we have for today, folks. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and myself, the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.